We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Twenty minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Really appreciate you being here today. We are going to continue our NFL draft coverage and break down two more prospects for the Packers in this year's draft. And that is going to be on the defensive side of the ball. We're going to start off with defensive lineman Kalijah Kansi, and then we are going to go to off-ball linebacker Jack Campbell. And let me just start off by saying these two players are two of my guys in this draft. I have not given the official Andy Herman stamp of approval on any individual prospect throughout this entire process so far. I I am fully giving my Andy Herman stamp of approval on both of these players. I love both of them. Uh, we always like to have our draft crushes, our guys that we would stand on the table for. Does it mean a whole heck of a lot? No, it doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot, but I think that's part of the fun of this entire draft process is finding the guys that you really like. And for me personally, it's then tracking them for the next five, 10 years and seeing, all right, which guys did I hit on? Which ones did I miss on? And how can I sort of get better at evaluating players moving forward? But these are definitely two of the guys that I absolutely love in this draft. And I'll also go forward a little bit more and say that, you know, just because I love them overall doesn't necessarily mean that I love them for Green Bay. And we're going to discuss that and break that down in a little bit greater detail in just a moment. But let's kick things off right away with Kalijah Kansi. He is a 6'1", 289-pound defensive lineman, redshirt junior out of the University of Pittsburgh. He just turned 22 in March. From an athletic standpoint, he is an interesting mix. He is certainly undersized, but had a 9.60 RAS score. He did not complete the bench press. 
tested 17th percentile in height, 17th percentile in weight, 95th percentile in the vertical jump, 88th percentile in the broad jump, 99th percentile in the 40-yard dash with a 46740, 99th percentile in his 10-yard split, 96th percentile in the short shuttle, 99th percentile in the three-cone. Now, to be fair, if you are lighter, and uh, you're only weighing, you know, what, 280-ish pounds at the defensive line position, you're going to have the ability to test a little bit better in these drills. That being said, if you're going to be lighter, you need to test incredibly well in these drills. And he went out and he absolutely murdered the entire process. And like I said, you're looking at 99th percentile athlete in the 40, the 10 yard split, the three cone, and then 95 percentile plus in the vertical and the short shuttle. His worst, his worst testing was the broad jump and he still tested in the 88th percentile. So he absolutely went out and crushed every single one of those uh, drills at the combine. And it just goes to show you the type of athlete that he is. Now, if you're wondering, um, if you're, you're thinking like, all right, defensive lineman, well, what, what does that mean exactly? Because is he a, you know, 280 pound, more like four, three end, or is he more of an interior defensive line? He is an interior defensive lineman. So when we say undersized, you know, where you're looking at a position where sometimes you get guys in the three thirties, sometimes you get your, you know, guys in the three hundreds to like, he is definitely shorter. And he is definitely a little less, uh, you know, weight than you would ideally like at the position. And that's going to be one of the red flags that he has to address throughout the entire process. But we're going to get into why in just a moment. It is not a huge issue for me as you break down and watch his tape. As far as pass rushing goes, that is his forte. In 2020, he had 251 pass rush snaps per PFF, 26 pressures and two sacks. In 2021, 367 pass rush snaps, 38 pressures, and nine sacks. And then this past season, only 275 pass rush snaps, 47 pressures in those 275 pass rush attempts with eight sacks, basically a pressure every six rushes, which is absolutely incredible. In his career, 893 pass rush snaps with 111 pressures basically a pressure every eight rushes and finished his career with 19 sacks and far more tackles behind the line of scrimmage as a run defender as well. Per grades by, you know, by PFF in 2020, he had 398 snaps with an 80.4 grade. In 2021, he had 577 snaps with an 84.6 grade. And in 2022, he had 454 snaps with a 91.8 grade. So he came into college football immediately playing well, and he you know, ended play, college football playing even better. He's been consistent throughout the entirety of his career and continued to get better year after year after year. And the big thing I want to point out here, he is going to get knocked for his size. The big question is going to be, can he hold up at the point of attack? Can he be a good enough run defender? Here were his run defense grades in three years by PFF. 81.7, 77.3, He graded out incredibly well as a run defender for three years. Now there is a difference between holding up in college at that size than holding up in the NFL at that size. So it is a fair question to ask, but when given the opportunity for three years at Pitt, he consistently held up at the point of attack as a run defender for far more often than not and made a ton of plays behind the line of scrimmage as well. As far as positives go, I'm going to start right there. 
Yes, he is a pass rush specialist. He can get to the quarterback. He is going to be a really big pain in the butt for offensive linemen when it comes to pass protection, but he holds up much better at the point of attack as a run defender than he gets credit for. And he works incredibly hard at it. He is focused, he knows his responsibility, and he works to make sure that he is not giving up ground, that he is not getting pushed out of his gap. In fact, I would go as far to say, if you watch tape between Devontae Wyatt, who is much bigger and much, you know, like functionally stronger, I would say that Cansey is the one that actually holds up better as a run defender. And that's not a knock on Wyatt. Wyatt is, is going to continue to improve and continue to be a better run defender as time goes on. But Cansey understands low man wins. He understands leverage. He understands technique. He understands how to plant himself and make him, like I said, a, a pain for offensive linemen to go again. So he is much more, in my opinion, than just a pass rush specialist. And he is strong enough at the point of attack. And as mentioned, he uses leverage incredibly well, which gives him that advantage, even against bigger offensive linemen who theoretically should be throwing, you know, pushing him off the ball and opening huge gaps in the running game. And they just haven't been able to do that, at least at the college level. As mentioned, he is so frustrating for opposing offensive linemen. His first step is so quick. His change of direction is so fast. He has the ability to win in a variety of different ways. You're just trying to get out of your stance and all all of a sudden he's already got his hands flying at you in a variety of different ways. He is calculated with his approach. He has a pass rush repertoire that is constantly looking to attack, is constantly looking for weakness. He is an assassin inside as a pass rusher. He's looking for every little piece of leverage, of advantage, of weakness, of all of it. He's cerebral when it comes to rushing the passer on the inside. And you combine that with the quickness, the agility, the acceleration, the explosiveness, the like all of it, the ability to get off the line of scrimmage faster than just about everyone. And he becomes a huge pain to go against. And he is so frustrating for offensive linemen. And that's where if you are playing a gap penetrating, you know, defensive system, like it doesn't necessarily even matter if he can hold up at the point of attack sometimes because he can slice into the backfield and just wreck plays in and of itself because he's so quick off the line of scrimmage, so slippery, and just like I said, a, a massive, massive pain for offensive linemen. He has fantastic hands and he uses them in a variety of way of uh, ways, excuse me. You will see him you know, swipe offensive lineman's hands away so that it gives him an opportunity. He'll use a spin move. He will use an arm over. He's coming at you from all angles and all directions. Like I said, in a variety of different ways, his, in my opinion, his superpower is his ability to move laterally. He will move like an entire gap in like the blink of an eye. So like as an offensive lineman, you're, you're, you know, you're kind of focused. Everything is around you. You're getting out of your stance and you're expecting to go block Kalijah Kansi here. And by the time you get up and get out of your stance, he's in the gap next to you. So you're like going right to block Cansey and all of a sudden he's on your left. And again, imagine that for an offensive lineman where you're like, you're thinking of everything that's going on, your assignment, what you're supposed to do. Kalijah Cansey's across from you. All, right, all I got to do is get up, get my hands on him. We're good to go. And all of a sudden he's in the gap next to you. And you're just like, what, what just happened? Like I, I have... What am I supposed to do? I'm going this way. I like just barely get out of my stance and he's in the next gap over. And that is, like I said, it's a legitimate superpower that he has and it makes him so incredibly fun as a defender, both against the run and against the pass. As I mentioned, he has a variety of different pass rush moves. He's incredibly slippery. He adds on top of this, 
on top of all of this with fantastic energy and a fantastic motor. So this is not just somebody who has these great skills and athleticism, but he understood, it seems like from day one, that if he was going to be good enough as an NFL defensive lineman at 6'1", 208 would not be uh, doable, but 6'1", 280, like if he was going to be able to play at that level, at that size, he knew he was going to have to work his butt off. And that's what he's done. And like I said, he's looking constantly for every little mismatch, advantage, anything that he can gain to make your life miserable and to give it like he's like a casino. He's the casino of defensive linemen. He's going to find the advantage. He's going to exploit it. And it might just be a little bit, but you play the house over and over and the house always wins. And Kalijah Kansi finds a way to win more often than not. And the last thing I will say here is he's just constantly in the backfield. And that is a huge advantage for your defense. If you've got a guy that can win quickly and get into the backfield, it doesn't matter what you called because things all of a sudden, like offenses are choreographed. They have a timing, they have a rhythm, and they have an expectation of what's going to go on in front of them. And we know the quickest way to disrupt things in the NFL defensively is if you've got a guy that's right over center, like right over center guard, and they can immediately win in the middle of the offensive line. And now all of a sudden your entire game plan, whatever it is that you were trying to do, run outside, run inside, play action, fake, three-step drop, five-step drop, seven-step drop. If you've got immediate pressure over the center, over the guard, right in the interior, it you, there's almost nothing that you can do. So this is an incredibly important position, an incredibly important skill set, and it has the ability to give your defense a ton of inherent advantages because you have a gap-penetrating defender who can get right through the offensive line and make things chaotic for the offense. As far as negatives go, I don't have a ton. I will say, as much as he can hold up at the point of attack and grade it out well as a run defender, and I think he doesn't get enough credit as a run defender, where he will struggle is against double teams. That is one area where at some point, at some point, there's only so much you can do from a leverage standpoint, from a power standpoint, from an effort standpoint. If you've got two 300-pound offensive linemen against you and you're a 280-pound defensive lineman, it's just going to be tough to hold up at the point of attack. So if you get him in a situation where you can get a clean double team on him and he doesn't necessarily get you know the, the jump on you and doesn't split the double team before it happens it could end up being a really tough play for Cansey and somebody that could end up getting bounced out of a gap and it could create a big run for the opposing offense. Um, the other thing here is if it, if he ever has a situation where he suffers some sort of leg injury and that quickness, that change of direction, that lateral mobility, any of that, if that stuff starts to go, if he loses that, there's not much left to lean on. No, he has the effort. He has the motor. He knows how to win with leverage. Like I said, he's an assassin with everything that he does. He's looking for every little advantage, but he needs to win with quickness and speed and with his change of direction and with that quick first step. Like he needs to do all of that. And if that all of a sudden starts going away because he ends up having some sort of injury to his lower body where he just isn't the same, can't change directions the same way, doesn't have that speed, whatever it is, Yes, injuries can be debilitating towards anyone, but a lot of times players are good at a lot of different things and they have something else they can lean on. For Cansey, if he would ever lose that, I'm just not sure that he could basically continue performing at a high level. To me, he just becomes a rotational guy at that point. And it is worth noting that when you are a little bit smaller, shorter, less you know, bulk to you that those in not necessarily like a knee injury, things like that could happen more often, but you're playing in the trenches and those things sort of happen. And 
we are in a day and age where even if you suffer a torn ACL, most players are able to come back and regain their their mobility pretty well. Maybe not the first year, but usually by the second year. So it's not anything that I'm super concerned about, but it is just one of those things that you at least have to be aware of. And it does raise the risk just a little bit with taking an undersized player. And then the other thing I will say, the last thing, last negative, there's not a ton here, is that he's never played more than 577 snaps in a season. And I think it's fair to ask, again, when you've got a shorter, smaller, non-hefty defensive lineman, now all of a sudden playing eight, nine, 1,000 snaps in a season in the NFL, how is his body going to hold up? Or does he just have to be a rotational defender? And if ultimately he can only play 600 snaps a season, that is going to limit his overall value. You know, you're looking at what, you know, offense and defense, probably 2,200 snaps a season. So even if he's entirely healthy, if he can only play less than what, probably with like, you know, probably in a full season, including special teams, probably a fourth of your overall team snaps on an entire season, um, that there's just a limit to how much value you can have for your team. If you can only play 25% of your total team snaps in a, in a year, like that, that limits you, right? So um, that's something that at least needs to be vetted out a little bit. And we just, I don't think we know the answer until he gets to the NFL and shows he can play 900, 1,000 snaps. So that will be something worth monitoring as well. And again, as as the draft goes, that's just a projection. You either think he can or you think he can't. And if you think he can't, then that's going to limit his value and where you ultimately, you know, pick him and or, you know, put him on your board as you go into the draft. As far as scheme goes, he is a penetrating defensive lineman. I do think you can use him on the edge just a little bit. And more importantly, especially in pass rush you know, situations and scenarios, just find the mismatch and let him work. If it's the left guard, if it's the center, if it's the right guard, even if it's a tackle, you have the ability to just kind of mix and match on an obvious passing down and say, all right, go attack that guy. You can get him matched up, move him around and figure out the best line of attack. And he's going to go attack that player and probably win more often than not. Uh, the comp that I have, as far as a ceiling goes, the the high end, high end. Let me start by saying he's not Aaron Donald. Nobody is Aaron Donald. Right? He's a once in a lifetime player. So even though he's at Pitt, even though there's a similar skill set, there's a lot of similarities. He's not Aaron Donald. The ceiling to me though is probably a A minus John Randall. And that is saying something. Is John Randall one of the best defensive linemen I've ever seen in the NFL? Hall of Famer, obviously. I don't think he quite reaches that level. I don't think, I think we're not going to say like, yeah, he's just going to be a Hall of Famer. But I think there is a similar ceiling to what he could bring in the NFL. But undersized, quick first step, nasty demeanor. It works extremely hard. You can see some of those similar traits to a John Randall. The floor to me, this is a pretty high floor. The floor to me is Ed Oliver. Now, Ed Oliver has not worked out the way as expected in Buffalo. Still a good rotational player and certainly somebody that's useful for you, but never lived up to the top 10 pick and and where he was ultimately selected. He's a good football player and he can certainly help you, but he's just kind of like average to good and not great. And there is that possibility. Uh, And any player can like be a complete bust, right? But I think that is more his floor of like a player that just doesn't live up to expectations, but can still be a nice rotational piece. And the comp that I have is prime Mike Daniels, not end of career Mike Daniels. But if you remember Mike Daniels really in his prime, like really when he was at his best, 
just a gap penetrating into the backfield, will hold up better at the point of attack, understands leverage. You know, in, in Daniel's case, used a wrestling background to really understand how to win with leverage. Like that's the type of player I see in Kansas. I think Kansas is a little bit quicker. I think he has more agility. But if you even if you like just go back and watch Mike Daniels in his prime when he was really, really good, um, that to me is like what I think he can come in and be almost immediately. So there is a ton of value there for Kansas. What he would bring to Green Bay, quickness, pass rush ability, and in my opinion, a perfect tag team partner for Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark is going to be your physical, slow burn. I'm going to push you back into the the offensive lineman, into the pocket. It's going to take a little bit, but it's still going to be a pain for you. Meanwhile, you have the tag team partner right next to him in Kalijah Kansi, who can immediately get into the backfield, gap penetrate, use quickness. They're just two totally different linemen. And I think on pass rushing downs, you put those two next to each other. That is a very fun combo. And you can start attacking interior offensive linemen, meaning if you've got an offensive line that's got like a physical guy, but that isn't as quick out of his stance. And you've got a smaller guy that struggles with power. Now you can just put Kenny over the guy that struggles with power. You can put Cansey over the guy that struggles with quickness and just cook through the entirety of the, the day. So there is some, some real fun possibilities that could exist there. Is there value at 15? This might be a hot take. Maybe not for Green Bay, because I know how much they value size and physicality at the point of attack. But I think he is very much worth drafting at pick 15. I don't, if, if, if anyone, maybe Green Bay trades down or up and somebody else ends up at pick 15, if Kansi ends up going in that range or that early, would not shock me at all. I think he is more than worth the opportunity to take at that point in the draft. And like I said, he's one of my guys. I'm putting my stamp of approval on him. And I think he is absolutely in that range to be valued in this draft. Would Green Bay do it? As I mentioned, size is going to be a limiting factor. He's probably not a perfect fit for what Green Bay wants to do up front. And again, they love size, strength, physicality, and that's just kind of the opposite of what Cansey is. I do think he brings a really fun change of pace to, you know, especially Slayton and Clark, but even a little bit different than what Devontae Wyatt brings to the table. That's a really fun four-man rotation if you make that happen. But as much as I love Cansey, I don't necessarily expect or think that he will end up in Green Bay, but it would be a very fun defensive line if they did go in that direction. Maybe they're going to try something new. You know what hasn't worked over the past, I don't know, decade, uh, whatever they have been trying to do at defense. So you know what? Maybe try something different. Maybe try a guy that's 280 and can immediately get penetration into the backfield. That sounds fun. And maybe, like I said, just try something different. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, let's go through Jack Campbell really quick here. Another one of my guys. 6'5", 249-pound senior linebacker out of Iowa. He will turn 23 in August, so a little bit older than some of the other guys in this draft, but not super concerning for me. A 9.98 RAS score, 99th percentile plus at the inside linebacker position. He did not complete the bench press, but 98th percentile height, 92nd percentile weight, 79th percentile 40-yard dash, 91st percentile vert, 97th percentile broad jump, 83rd percentile short shuttle, 98th percentile three cone. He took the combine by storm and said, I can do all of this at the highest possible level. Again, 99.8 percentile at inside linebacker. Um, The other thing I will note there, if you want to compare athletic scores player to player, his RAS card is almost a mirror match to that of Luke Keekley. Just keep that in mind as we're going through this today. Career stats, 2,200, or excuse me, 2,027 total snaps, 37 pressures, three sacks, 205 tackles, did have 29 missed tackles, something he needs to clean up just a little bit, 126 stops, three forced fumbles. In coverage, quarterbacks were able to complete 74 out of 94 passes against him in their career, but 609 yards only and only an 8.2 yards per catch average. Three touchdowns given up, five interceptions, six pass breakups, and an 82.1 passer rating. So that's fine. And then only two career penalties for Campbell, which is very impressive as well in four seasons. In 2019, he had 41 snaps with a 58.3 grade per PFF. In 2020, only 141 snaps with an 83.4 grade. His first full-time year as a starter was 2021, 972 snaps with a 68.8 grade. And then 2022, 873 snaps with a 91.9 grade, graded out as a good tackler, run defender, coverage guy, pass rusher, all of it. He continued to grade out well as throughout the entire course of his career. As far as positives go, I love his blend of athleticism, instincts, and football intelligence. He knows how to play the game. He understands angles. He knows how to diagnose plays and that high-end athleticism. The the weird thing to me, if you look around, a lot of, a lot of really smart people will say that they, you know, he didn't play on tape with the athleticism that he showed at the combine. I just disagree. And there, there are plays that you will see where maybe he's, you know, I don't even necessarily know like diagnosing, but like maybe he's being a little bit more cautious is what I would say. Maybe not flying by the seat of his pants, super aggressive, but like when he wants to, he can get point A to point B, change direction, do whatever he needs to do to go make the play. Sideline to sideline, all of it. He can do everything at the position. To me, it was evidenced on tape. It was evidence with his testing. And when you combine the two, you get what you, in my opinion, is a very, very well-rounded prospect. And when you have the, the intelligence and the IQ, when you combine it with the instincts, the hard work, and you add that to athleticism, it, you get a very well-rounded prospect at the inside linebacker position. He has fantastic height and size for an inside linebacker. And what that means 
is as more and more teams are playing zone and want to attack the middle of the field, what are teams trying to do? Pretty cons- They love hitting that seam up the middle of the field, especially if you have an athletic tight end. And if you've got a 6'5 guy with long limbs in the middle of the field, as you, if you're a quarterback, you're dropping back to pass, especially if you're in like a cover two and you see a huge 6'5 lurking inside linebacker in the middle of the field, that it's just, it's a pain. It's an absolute pain to go against because it just, that middle of the field just looks like it, the, those windows just shrink so incredibly much because you've got this huge human in the middle of the field. And a lot of times these guys are like six foot, six one-ish. And if you put a 6'5 guy out there, like I said, the windows shrink and it is noticeable for a quarterback. So that height very much matters. He can take on blocks at the point of attack. He's consistent with his run fits and with his gap assignments. I have no concern about him not being gap responsible. He's much better in coverage than given credit for. He is a leader out on the field and he could be the defensive play caller from day one, in my opinion. He has that type of smarts and like I said, football intelligence overall. As far as negatives go, his hands at the point of attack need to continue to get better. I do think he can stack and shed blocks, which is really, really good. Again, you add instincts, athleticism, and the ability to go and you know take on a block, shed it, and go make a play. That just is huge at the inside linebacker position. But his hands have to get better so that he can shed those blocks quicker and go make those plays quicker. You will see him get caught up from time to time. And if he can just improve his hands a little bit, that is going to make his life a whole heck of a lot easier. While he can cover better than I think he gets credit for, he is more of a zone coverage guy and man coverage, especially against quicker players, will give him a little bit of a problem. While he changes direction well, there is a little bit of stiffness in his lower half. And that's just like, just the way that he's built. He's a big, physical, tough guy. And that sometimes, you know, just running with quicker running backs, wide, you know, well, running backs, tight ends is going to give him a little bit of trouble. So if you plan on playing a lot of man coverage with your inside linebacker, I still think he holds up better than most, but that can give him a little bit of trouble. I will also say, I do think there is some Blake Martinez and AJ Hawk to his game, where if you remember both of those players, where were most of those tackles made for both of them? like five, six yards down the field. There was a cautiousness to their game where there were so many times you just wanted to see, like, go hit the gap and make the play. Like you you have the ability, especially AJ Hawk. Like AJ Hawk had the ability, like just go make the play. And Hawk and Martinez would kind of wait and wait and make sure they weren't giving up the big play. And there was just almost like too much caution. And I just wanted to see them play with their hair on fire. And with Campbell, I will see a little bit of that. That same sort of Blake Martinez, AJ Hawk of like, I... I'm so concerned that I don't want to give up a big play that I'm missing a lot of opportunities to go make a big play. And that is something that I think he's going to have to continue to work on. And the last thing is he's not the biggest hitter in the world. The counter to that, he's a, he's a pretty safe tackler. He takes on tackles, make sure he gets his guy to the ground and make sure that he isn't giving up those big plays. He's a safe inside linebacker that isn't concerned about leveling the guy. He's just making sure he gets him to the ground. So it, it, yes, he's not the most physical, intense hitter in the world. That, that's okay. He's a safe tackler and I can live with that all day, every day. From a scheme standpoint, he can fit in any inside middle linebacker role in the entire NFL, whether it's a 3-4, 4-3, whatever, 3-3-5, three, three, he can find an absolute role. His ceiling to me, I'm going to say it. I, I think there is Luke Keekley on tape and nobody's quite Luke Keekley. Keekley was an incredibly special player, but I'm going to say like B plus, A minus Luke Keekley. I think that's where Campbell can get to if he hit his ceiling entirely. Like that's how good I think he can be. The, the floor would be like a Sean Bradley, like an okay starter with good size, good speed, but just never really puts it all together. 
And the comp for me is Logan Wilson, who has been a fantastic under the radar linebacker for the Cincinnati Bengals, who um, went far too late in that draft and should have gone earlier. And I think the same thing is going to happen with Jack Campbell here, where he might go middle of second round. And to me, to me, he is a first round pick at inside linebacker. What he would bring to Green Bay, great depth at inside linebacker right now with Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker already there. Um, some really fun three linebacker potential. You could get Quay and you could get Campbell and you could get Devondre Campbell. I guess you have double Campbells. This is the new version of the Smiths, I guess. You've got the Campbells. Um, but I do think you could get all three on the field and do some fun stuff, especially because if you actually, the other comp card for Jack Campbell, that's like a like for like um, apples to apples comparison is TJ Watt. And actually, actually there's more edge rushers that comp to Jack Campbell. Uh, then there are actually like off-ball linebackers. And I do think he's going to have, if they ever would use him in that way, some pass rush ability. If you put Quay and Campbell on the outside in like a 3-3-5, there could be some fun ways to utilize both of those guys a little bit in the pass rush game as well. And I also think he's a perfect long-term tag team partner for Quay Walker. Quay Walker has all of the speed, all of the agility. I think in the long term, he's going to be a much better coverage linebacker. Campbell is the run stuffing, instinctive, shed block. And they like to me, they would just complement each other so well. So if you wanted a long-term tag team duo at inside linebacker with incredible athleticism and two players who could play off each other well, go and get Jack Campbell and team him with Quay Walker, a different Campbell-Walker comparison. Would there be value? To me, we're looking, I, I guess, I think he's a first round pick all day, every day, but for Green Bay, they, where they're picking right now, they would need to select him at the beginning of round two. I think there's absolutely value there. To me, he is a first round linebacker, as I mentioned, best linebacker in the draft. And I liked him far more than I liked Quay a season ago. That's not a knock on Quay. I just like Campbell better. And Quay went at pick 22. So yeah, I think there's absolutely value there at the beginning of round two. Would they take another inside linebacker? That remains to be seen. It's not a position they valued a ton, but to me, the value is absolutely there. Would Green Bay do it? I think they should absolutely consider it in round two. It's not totally ideal right now with Quay, just a first round pick a season ago, and you still have Devondre on the roster. And Campbell could play, Devondre could play a couple more seasons. Um, but let's remember too that Devondre, this could be his last year. And Quay was very, very, very up and down a season ago. So there's no guarantee that Quay just puts it together and becomes a great inside linebacker. So as much as you kind of need him to be because you spent pick 22 on him, like, I don't know. To, to me, it's, it's not that far-fetched if Green Bay wanted to go in that direction. Overall, these are two players that I absolutely love. I don't really expect either to end up in Green Bay, but I can tell you right now, I would be doing absolute backflips if they found a way to get either of these guys. These are my guys, which usually does not mean they end up in Green Bay. As I mentioned previously, I think the last my guy that actually got drafted in the first round by Green Bay was Vonnie Holiday, which has been a hot second. So maybe we're overdue. Neither are maybe like the ideal perfect fit for what Green Bay needs right now, but they're just really fantastic players. And I really enjoy fantastic players being on the Packers. So I would sign up for that again all day, every day. That's going to do it for me today. I will see you guys right back here tomorrow. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.